Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. All right. Hey, picture me, a young stud in high school, working for a furniture slash moving company and warehouse company. Right? It was the perfect job. It was a, I loved this job, right? I, I loved it. I made good money, and all I had to do was lift heavy things. Right? It was the perfect job for me, best job ever. And well, one day, though, I came into work, and my boss met all of us at the clock in, clock out thing. And he said, you know what, gentlemen, I have a, a job. There's a raccoon that is stuck in the dumpster in the back of one of the warehouses where we put all the cardboard and kind of crush it. And I, one of you needs to get it out, like right now. Well... It looked like one of those movie scenes where everybody kind of just, you know, take a, takes a step back. And I was left on that, like, standing in front of everybody. And so I was like, all right, well, I, I guess I'll raise my hand and said, I'll, I'll do it. How bad could this really be? Well, little did I know. Right? I went back to the, the warehouse, and there he was, a raccoon the size of this TV. Right? I'm, not even, I'm not even kidding, right? This is not an exaggeration. I'm pretty sure it was a cross between like a, a werewolf and a raccoon. The size of this TV. Not even exaggerating, right? These guys sent me into the Thunderdome to duke it out with the largest raccoon in the history of all raccoons. Now, I'm pretty sure down the road it lived... It was where its home was because down the road is a, a, our local famous establishment drive-in uh, where, you know, where they hang the baskets on your window type of thing. And it had been living there eating all the, the burgers and leftover fries in their dumpster because this thing was huge and it probably had some, some growth hormone from the, the burgers or the fry. Right? This thing was like the velociraptor of raccoons and they sent 16-year-old me in there to get rid of it. I tried corralling it and pushing it out. I tried throwing things at it. I, I tried tempting it with food, which evidently had already eating, eaten because it was not moving. I sent my Tommy home to go get a, a, a gun. And listen, I did not shoot it, but I definitely warned him. And I was loading the gun. I said, you could be smart or you could be dead, little raccoon. The decision was yours. And guess what? He called my bluff. The raccoon called my bluff. It wasn't going anywhere. I honestly was so traumatized by the size of this thing. I don't even remember how we got it out of that, that dumpster. It probably just realized that it was lunch at the drive-in and left on its own accord. I had no idea what I was signing up for when I said, all right, I'll go and do it. Right? Really, I was voluntold to go do it, right? to get rid of this raccoon. Right? Have you ever been in an experience like that? I mean, think about it. Have you ever been in an experience like that where, where you've been uh, roped into something or you even volunteered uh, for something or been hired to do something right, for a job of some sort and things didn't go exactly as planned? Right? Maybe you might even say this, right? You didn't read the fine print. Right? You didn't read the fine print. And listen. Here's the thing about fine print. It's everywhere, isn't it? 
You go to Starbucks, and there's fine print on your cup at Starbucks saying, this coffee might be hot. Right? It's everywhere. And as we talk about following Jesus... As we talk about forging our life on him from top to the bottom, every nook and every cranny, right? I got to be honest, there's fine print. There's fine print. And we've been in this series called Follow Jesus, based off a a series of sermons from, from North Point Community Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And we're learning what it means to follow him to really follow him, and to use the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, as our guide. Right? You see, there, there are a lot of advantages of following Jesus. Right? You're going to be a better father. You're going to be a, a better mother. You're, you're going to be a, a better parent. Right? You're going to just be a better person overall. And if you follow Jesus, you're going to be more honest. You're probably going to forgive a little bit quicker. You may even be a little bit more generous with your time and with your resources. You're going to serve with more enthusiasm in the kingdom of God. right? There, there are benefits to following Jesus. There really are. But at some point, Foundry Church, at some point along the way, it's going to cost you something. Just being honest. It's going to cost you something. There is a price to pay to follow Jesus. And it is at that moment when we realize that there's a price to pay when we discover whose we really are. Right? Who we belong to. Right? I want you to take a look at this. Right? It is in those moments that you discover if you are a follower or a consumer. It is in those moments where we discover if we're just uh, uh, consuming Jesus because it's a, it's a good thing, right? We come to church because there's free bagels or something, right? Or are we actually following Jesus, right? You find out if you believe that Jesus, following him, is even worth it, right? And Jesus... Our Lord, he knew that this question would come up for all of us. Right? He knew that at some point, the fine print would come out, would become visible, if you will. And so he got to a point in his earthly ministry here uh, in the first century, right, where he, he looked around and he realized that the, the people who have been following him have sort of just been along for the ride. They've just been along for the good stuff. Along for the ride, right? They're just consumers and not necessarily followers. Right? And he does a little teaching and it opens the door to some kind of big life questions that I want us to wrestle with in the remaining time that we have together this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 8. And that's where we're going to be. Mark chapter 8. So Matthew, Mark the second book of the New Testament, chapter 8. And if you don't have the Bible, uh, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, use the Bibles that are in the seats. As I always say, you can take those with you. They are free for you to take, to have, to use. Um, They're the ESV translation. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. So it's a tad bit different. But take those Bibles with you or download the Foundry Burke app because there's a Bible tab on there along with announcements and all this other stuff. And you can click that Bible tab and today's scripture is there for you. Mark chapter 8, verse 27 is where we're going to start today. All right, it says, Jesus and his disciples 
All right, Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to a village near Caesarea Philippi. And as they were walking along, he asked them, who do you say I am? Right? Right? Who do people say that I am? Right? Who do people say I am I? Right? That's what he's asking. Right? Now, can you imagine asking this question to some of your friends around the lunch table? Or even your family, right? right? What are people saying about me? Now, some of us, we're not going to want that answer, right? <laughs> we, don't want it, we don't want that answer. We don't, we don't want to know the answer that they have to that question. But Jesus was a different kind of a guy, wasn't he? Right? He knew that there was a kind of buzz around him and what was going on in his ministry and in his miracles and in his life at that moment. And so he says to his disciples, his closest followers, hey, what are people saying about me? Right? In Mark 28 and, and 29, the, the, the rest of it there, let's read it, right? Well, they replied, some people say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are the one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Right? You know, here's just a, a little background for a moment right here. Right? John, John the Baptist had just been beheaded. Right? <laughs> right? Just been beheaded, and people were thinking, well, maybe he came back to life in the form of Jesus. Never mind that they were contemporaries, and that would be like an alternate universe. Just, right? That's what they were thinking, right? Or, or, or people, like even today, are thinking, ah, Jesus seems like a pretty good guy. He seems like a pretty good dude. Right? He must be like one of the other great guys that we knew from the past. Right? He must be a, a prophet of some sort. But Jesus says, okay, right? well, they're not right. Right? right, so who do you say I am to his disciples, right? Who do you say, my, my squad, my BFFs forever, my closest followers, who do you say I am, right? And in the second part of verse 29, it simply says, Peter replied, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah, right? So Jesus, he asks this question. And Peter raises his hand like he always does and says, I know, I know, I know, pick me. <laughs> and he says that Jesus is the Messiah. The Messiah. Now, Messiah, that word, is a Jewish term. Right? The Greek term, that means the same thing as Christ. Right? All right so I know some of you thought that Christ was, was Jesus' last name. That's not the case. Right, Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, and the Hebrew word is Messiah, and it really means the anointed one. The anointed one, or the, the chosen one, right? that's what it means. Right? The, the ancient Jewish people were waiting for God to send his anointed one for years. And Peter goes, I know who you are. Right? You are the one that we've been waiting for. You are the anointed one. And Jesus responded in verse 30 by warning them not to tell anyone about it. Right? He still has some things to do and he doesn't want to get the word out. Right? Jesus says, you got the answer right, but shh, keep it on the DL. Right? It's not time for everybody to know exactly who I am. There's still things I need to accomplish Right, so, so once he had identified himself as the anointed one, the Messiah, the chosen one, to his closest followers, he begins to tell them that there may be a price to pay. 
There might be a price to pay for following him, the anointed one. Right? So listen to what he says in verse 31. Let's look at it together. Right? Go back to your Bibles there. Verse 31 says this. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man, which is just the name that he gave himself, right? That the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. Now let's just stop there for one second. All right, let's just... Let's just take a breath and let's look at this picture, right? Jesus is telling his closest followers, here is what's going to happen, right? Things are going to get a little tough. Things are going to get some difficulties in, thrown into them, right? And I hope that even when it does get tough, you are still going to continue to follow me. And Peter is like, wait, 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 wait. Wait a moment, Jesus. And he kind of he pulls Jesus aside and, and from the crowd and he says, come here. <laughs> come here, all right? And I'm sure Peter thinks he's helping the situation. I'm sure he, he somehow believes that he's Jesus' PR rep. And he thinks, right, you got to stop saying this stuff. Right, Peter, he's looking around and, and he's thinking, why all this negative stuff, right? Well, Right? Don't get all negative on us, Jesus. Right? Things are good. People are following. Look around. There's people everywhere. Look at the crowd. Right? Everywhere we go, there's a crowd. You are famous. And he says, I'm kind of famous too. Right? Right? But, and John, he's, he's famous too. He's not as famous as me, but he's famous too. Right? Things are going well. It's kind of what's going through his mind. It's kind of why he pulls them aside. Right? Right? You're not going to be killed. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. That's what Peter's saying to Jesus, right? He's saying, remember that there was this storm, and you said, hey, storm, knock it off, and the weather obeyed you? How are you going to be killed? Right? Now, no more negative stuff, Jesus. Right? Just let's go back over there, and we'll talk about prayer, something positive. Right? No more of this death and dying stuff. Listen, and Jesus, he looks at him. And he responds with this in verse 33. Jump down to verse 33. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, Jesus turned around and he looked at his disciples. Then he reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan. That's a pretty good reprimand. He said, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's point of view. <laughs> right? He, he kind of calls Peter out. Calls him out under the carpet in front of everybody. He says, hey, Peter, let's just be honest, all right? It, it, it is going great. It's been great, hasn't it? Right? I mean, you are Peter the fisherman, and everybody knows who you are. It's good to follow me, but Peter, you're a consumer. You're acting like a consumer and not a follower. Right? You're only thinking about what you can get out of this. Fame, power, recognition, right? People listening to you, whatever it is. But, but I want you to be my follower. <laughs> Which means when you and I go somewhere that is not great, because we're going to go there, it's going to be difficult. When we go there, we're, we're, we're somewhere off the beaten path, where I go where, somewhere where it might cost us something, right? I want to know that you're with me. I, I want there to be no doubt. 
that you're my follower, that you're going to be there with me. Right? The, the reason that I'm, I'm rebuking you so harshly is because you just, you have exposed something. Is what he's saying. Right? You're not concerned about what's going to happen to me. Right? No, Peter, you're concerned about what's going to happen to you because of what might happen to me. Right? Foundering. Right? This, is, this is what's going down. Right? And so Jesus decided to use this as a teaching moment. And so he draws together the rest of the crowd, everybody else that, that's around there, the whole crowd. It's kind of like when you're in school. Maybe this was just me. All right? And you go up to the teacher's desk and you're kind of like real quiet and nonchalantly saying, hey, I don't get this. Right? Like, can you help me with this question? And then the teacher says, all right, go sit down and calls the whole class's attention and, and instructs the rest of the class on what you don't know. Right? right? That's what's starting to happen. Right? So Jesus draws the whole class together and he says this in verse 34. Right? He says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Now this is important because I think when we read this today, we can miss how huge this statement is. Right? right? This statement by Jesus is a literal thing. It's an actuality. Right? This is literally going to happen to him and to them. Right, Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem, and he is going to be arrested, and he's going to be on the losing end of a one-sided trial, right? and then he's going to be crucified. He's going to be killed. And Jesus says, listen, this is actually going to happen, and if you follow me too closely, well, you might be confused as someone who believes I am the Messiah, the anointed one, and you will probably get these things too. He says, but for real, right? if you want to be my father to really follow me from time to time, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to deny yourself. And Foundry Church, before we think that this is just some sort of abstract idea, right? we deny ourselves all the time, don't we? Right? Right? I kind of did the other day at, at the dinner table. We were at Olive Garden. Do you want dessert? Yes, but no, right? <clears throat> I'm going to deny myself. And I say kind of because I got it to go. <laughs> we do the same thing, right? We deny ourselves all the time. And this command that Jesus gives, right? Look, so we're all on the same page. To deny yourself, it simply means you say no to you. That's what deny means. To deny yourself, you simply say no to yourself. And, and here... Is here's something that I want, right? But I don't think it's what's best for me, right? This is what's best for me. So we pick the latter, right? We pick, we pick the thing that's best for us. I have two options. This one wouldn't be fun, right? But this one's right. So we go with that one, right? We deny ourselves. We say no to ourselves. That's what to deny ourselves means. So we all know what it means to deny ourselves. We've all been there. And Jesus says there's going to be a time. There's going to be uh, moments. There's going to be forks in the road, crossroads. There are going to be intersections. There's going to be points of tension 
right? And what I want for you and what, what you want for you are going to be two different things. And in that moment, you have to decide if you're going to be a consumer or if you're going to be a follower. In that moment, at that crossroads, at that intersection, are you going to be a consumer or are you going to be a follower? <clears throat> right, in that moment, you have to decide to deny yourself. That's what he's calling us to. At some point, you're going to have to say no to you in order to follow him. And that's what he's saying to his disciples, right? And he does not pull any punches here, right? He says, you're going to have to make a choice. And at that, at that point, you have to choose the cross. Now, right, when we think of crosses, what do we think of? Uh, we usually tend to think of jewelry or, or a nice um, cross hanging on the wall in a church like we have here, right? We, we kind of think of a filtered picture, don't we? Right? We think of a, a filtered picture when we think of the cross. Or maybe you've seen a couple of movies and, and it was gory, but there was some beautiful music playing in the background, so it wasn't all that bad. Right? And you, you've never smelled it. Right? We, we've never actually experienced it. We've never, we've never seen it. We, we've never tasted it. Right? I could give you a graphic description of what happens to the body when, when it is crucified, and some of you would have to leave the room. Right? But the, the group sitting there listening to Jesus that day would need no description. Right? Any, every one of them would have passed by a cross because Rome left them up for a long time to terrify people into submission, right? It was a horrible way to die. And Jesus says, you need to understand, if you are going to follow me, not be a consumer, but follow me from this point forward, it may cost you this, this cross, it might cost you everything. And for some people listening that day, their response is, okay, well, this is not for me. You don't have to say another word. I'm out. Right? Some of you today are watching online. Uh, you're thinking the same thing. Thanks for the honesty, Andrew. But this is where I take my leave. I'm out. But before we get up and leave, let's keep reading this story. All right, verse, verse 35. Take a look at it. Excuse me. <clears throat> If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, it's capitalized there, right? Good news, it's the gospel, it's Jesus, what he's done for us, that's why it's capitalized, right? Good news, you will save it. So let me read that again. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, his message, his grace, his truth, you will save it. Right? Everyone is freaking out. Right? Everyone is scared because they do not want to die. <laughs> they're, they're freaking out, losing their minds because they know what a cross means. Right? And Jesus starts by reminding them of what we all know. Right? We all die in the end. 
That's what he reminds them with. We all die in the end. No matter how well we eat, no matter how many days we exercise, no matter how, what kind of environments we stay away from, uh, no matter how many uh, bad habits we break in our lifetime, no matter how hard we work to save our life, one day we are going to lose it. And Jesus continues with a big but. Right? With, with a big statement. He says, but who Whoever chooses to follow me, not just consume, but follow me, and in the process of following me, loses their life, the life they were going to lose anyways. If they follow me and in the process they lose something of, of value that they're going to die and lose anyway. Right? If, if they follow me in the process they lose a relationship that is going to end when they die anyways, right? if they follow me and in the process they lose what they consider life to be all about and, and it's all for the sake of the gospel, well, it will be saved. It will be saved. Right? Jesus, Jesus says when, when what seems like a loss is no loss at all. Right? Be, because whatever it is that you lose, that if we're honest... We're going to have to lose it anyways. Right? Jesus is saying this, right? I'm giving you an opportunity to lose it with a purpose and a meaning attached to it. I take comfort in that. Right? He's saying, I give you the opportunity to lose whatever, to lose whatever is of value to you that you think is value to you, your life even, but with a purpose and a meaning attached to it for his glory, for his honor, right? And he says, just so there's absolutely no confusion, let me say this. Look at verse 36, right? This is, he continues. He says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Right? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father and with his holy angels. Right? Right, Jesus, he, he's starting to play this imaginary game as an illustration with them and with us. He says, let's imagine you had everything you could ever dreamed of. Right? You, have, you have the house of your dreams. Right? You have the job of your dreams or, or no job if that's your dream. Right? You have the, the kids of your dreams and, and they have every opportunity you could ever think of. Imagine that. Right? Do you have that picture in your mind? Great. Now he's saying, imagine that you're on your deathbed. Right? This is it. You only have a few moments to live. And Jesus says, you had the most amazing life in the world, but because you were hanging on to that, that's what you were forging your life on, you forgot about your soul. Look, he says, he says seriously, you have everything, but you lost the main thing. You have everything, but you lost the main thing, right? Jesus is reminding us, we 
us. Right? We got to the end of our life and it was amazing. Right? If that's our case, if that's what we were thinking we want, we can have everything we have ever wanted, all this amazing stuff, a good job, the nice house. Right? Our, our kids can be good at sports so we don't have to just sit there and watch them be bad at sports. Right? There, there can be, we can have like notoriety and esteem in the neighborhood and in our careers. We can have in everything that we desire. We can do anything that we want. And as long as it's other than being at the feet of Christ, right, the, the church, we can, we can have all that. But can we trade it for a new soul? No. Right? If that's what we think we're going to purchase or use as currency, right, it just doesn't add up. The equation doesn't add up, does it? Right? At some point, you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose to deny something. That's what he's getting at, right? Now, have you seen those videos on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok where the, uh, the parents, they're standing beside their kids, right? And then, like, on the count of three, they run in opposite directions. You know what I'm talking about? The parents run in opposite directions. And, and like, the, the, they, like, call the kid, like, hey, come here. And they see who the kid goes to or crawls to. You guys know what I'm talking about? Right? I tried that with our dog, Barton, Christina. <laughs> And I did. And we're standing out here, and, and Barton's in the middle. He's sitting there, and Christina and I run away, and we want to see which one will he choose, right? That's the, the idea of it. And, and the funny thing is, is he, uh, he didn't choose either of us. He just found some pieces, pieces of leftover bagel from somebody <laughs> and just decided to eat the food. Right, but here's the point of those videos, right? You can Google those. You can find those videos, and the kid crossed the one parent, and they think they're, you know, victorious, Right, here's the point of those videos. They're not to traumatize your children, right, or your dog. Right, the, these videos show who your little kid, or in our case, our dog, is willing to give up, right? Listen, the little kids and dogs, they're dumb, <laughs> all right? But they know the basics, don't they? Right, they know the basics. They know who they need, and that is all Jesus is saying. At some point, there's going to be a choice, Right? It's like that kid sitting there in the middle, like, who do I crawl to? There's going to be a choice. Right? He's saying, I, the Lord of all things, am going to be standing on one side. And on the other, it could be everything else. Everything else that you've ever desired. But at some point, you're going to have to make a choice. And at some point in the journey, there's going to be a conflict of interest. And you're going to have to make a decision. Listen. Right? This is the foundry right? where we're honest about what it means to follow Jesus. We're honest that it's not always a pleasurable experience. And I know that's hard to hear in a church. Right? Sometimes it's the hammering of metal together. Right? Following Jesus is not always miracles. We may not experience it on this side of heaven. It's not always walking on water. Sometimes it's, it's giving up the, the family fishing business and the success of that to follow Jesus like Peter did. Sometimes it's, it's hard. Sometimes you have to choose the thing that only makes sense to Jesus. Sometimes there's going to be pain. 
Right? And here's what all this boils down to. Salvation in Jesus has no cost. Right? His grace is free. Right? Salvation in Jesus has no cost, but forging our life on Jesus will eventually cost you something. That's what it comes down to. Right? His salvation is free, but as we walk with him, as we forge our life on him, as we accomplish his tasks that he's given us in this world, sometimes it's going to cost us something. Right? That is what we're getting ourselves into when, when you follow Jesus. When you forge a lifelong reliance on him. When Jesus says, follow me, right? he says, it is going to be great. Right? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be your best life imaginable. And truly, following him is the best way that you live your best life. It's the only way you can live your best life. He, he's saying there's going to be hope. There's going to be grace. There's going to be truth and understanding and a love that you could never imagine when you give your life to him. Right? He's saying you, you'll have someone to walk with you through life. A power available to you through his spirit that is unimaginable, right? You will be saved from your regrets. You'll be saved from the agony of that, from your mistakes, from things that kept you up at night. And all that is completely free, he's saying. Salvation is completely free and painless for us. But Jesus says, That's not all that there is. There's more to this following thing. All that's available. All that's free. But at some point, though, we may have to deny ourselves. Right? Following Jesus is not a consumer, spectator sport. Following Jesus is an all-in activity. It's a contact sport. Right, following Jesus is in all of your life, every nook and every cranny, every hidden thing, every area of your life. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's not just listening to a sermon thing. It's not just listening to a worship music on your drive into work. It is not a, a prayer thing around the dining room table and that's all that there is. It's a foxhole thing. Right? It is getting messy and stepping into the places where he wants you to step into. To show his grace, to show his truth. And sometimes those are messy places, difficult places. Some choices are going to have to be made type of thing. Right? Following Jesus means that things might get ugly, but you're not alone. Right? When we are called to, to step into some serious missions that he has for us. In our lives, we're not alone, but it is a surrender all thing, right? It is a, a fork in the road, and you, you, you take the road that Jesus is on no matter what's on the other road type of thing. Right? And to be clear, Jesus is not saying that you have to give up everything that is good in your life. Listen, guys, all right, his first miracle was at a party, <laughs> right? Right? He, he liked to have fun, right? That's not what he's saying, right? And he's, he's, he, he's not also saying that uh, you literally have to be crucified, right? That when you give your life to Christ, when you accept that free gift of grace, that someday there's going to be a cross there in your living room, and you're going to have to climb up. I don't even know if there's countries that do that anymore. 
right? But what, what he is saying is that at some point, at some point, you're going to have to take your wants, your desires, your dreams, your, your idea of a great life and remove it from the throne that you've put it on and replace it with Jesus. Right? As we wrap up, I, I want to give you some good news because that was just pretty heavy, right? It was. That's pretty heavy. A lot of preachers don't like preaching that all the time. Right? The good news is, is that you don't have to worry about this, though, this fork in the road, this decision. You really don't, right? It's not like you have to walk out here t- today, walk onto these doors, and, and look over your shoulder waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right? <laughs> right? All right, this is the moment where I have to decide to deny myself. Right? Here's the good news. When that moment comes, we will know. You'll know it. Right? Because three things will happen. Right? When that moment comes, first, it's going to feel like a moral imperative. Right? In other words, it's not going to be something that everybody else has to do. Right? It's not going to be something that everybody else needs to stop doing. Right? It won't be something that everybody around you agrees needs to be done or, or not done. That's what I mean by this. Right? It will be as if inside of your conscience, it comes, it comes alive your conscience, and, and you're just going to know if I'm going to be a Jesus follower from this moment on, forge my life on him, I can't go, or I can't participate, or, or I need to stay, or I need to leave, or, or I need to call that person back, or I need to do this, or make this move, or not take this job. You're just going to know. You're just going to know by the work of his spirit in your life. You're just going to know. Right? It's not going to be a verse. It's not going to be a, a sermon that you hear. You're just going to know that it's the right thing for you to do or not do or whatever the situation is. Right? This is the moment where, where I have to decide, am I going to be a Jesus consumer or a Jesus follower? You're just going to know. Right? I, have to, I have to decide because to follow Jesus from this moment forward is going to cost me something. It's going to feel like a right or wrong issue in your life. And it may not make sense to anybody else but to you. Let me give you an example. As many of you know, uh, my father-in-law, Christina's dad, was a a football coach, a successful high school football coach in Ohio before his retirement. And he was a great coach. Kids loved him. Coaches learned from him. Heck, they, they still reach out for his advice and his knowledge. Every time where they're visiting, somebody, and he hasn't coached for years, somebody is calling him, asking him on advice on a particular defense or a scheme or play calling or just how to deal with the knucklehead players. Right? Bob was an amazing coach. <laughs> but one of my favorite things I, I, I know about Bob and his coaching career is that one of the schools that he coached at decided that they were going to watch film on Sundays. Right, and for those of you who don't know, coaches will watch recordings of the team that they're about to play the week before. They'll watch a recording so that they can uh, scheme and make a game plan uh, to beat that team. This is a vital part of the coaching process, something that needs to be done. However, for Bob, this was a no-go on Sunday mornings. Right, Sunday mornings were off limits. His children, his wife, and he had made the commitment that Sunday mornings were for worship. 
were for Sabbath and nothing else. Right, period, full, full stop. Right, so he had to tell the other coaches and the athletic director, uh, you, you do what you want, right? but I can't be there on Sunday morning. I can come after church and after I eat lunch with my family and we have this time of worship and Sabbath together, but I can come in the afternoon or on another day, but Sunday mornings and lunch, I will, I will not be there. He, he took that stand. And, and for every other coach, this, this Sunday morning thing was a non-issue. It was not a big issue. It was not a moral decision for them, but it was for Bob. Right? He had to make a decision. Was he going to deny himself or deny the cross? Right? Right? This could have meant that he lost his job. Right? It could have meant that he, he lost his position with the kids, a position that allowed him to teach them what a man of God looks like. Right? Coaching was a good thing. It was a good thing. Right? But it was not the best thing in that particular moment. Right? The best thing for him, right, what, what he was feeling called to, was that he was going to honor God and the Sabbath as he was called to observe it. So he said it's not going to work with great risk, right? He chose to deny himself, right? He made a choice not knowing what would happen next. He chose not just to be a consumer of Jesus, but to be a follower of Jesus, right? So, so when this decision comes, right, you will know that it's a moral issue, right? We will just know. Now, let me illustrate the next step, like the next way we'll know with the story of my dad. As many of you know, my dad was a minister, but it was definitely a bumpy ride along the way, right? In one such instance, Christine's laughing because it's ridiculous. We were serving a church in, in the lower peninsula of Michigan, my dad was, and the church was experiencing kind of what we're experiencing here, a baby boom, Right, there was a, a lot of kids, and he was the only minister, and, and my dad had been praying about it, and he had been... <clears throat> seeking counsel about it and, and what, what to do with all these kids. And, and he's like, hey, we need to hire a youth minister. Like, this is the next step, right? This is what God's calling us to do. And, and he went to the elders, and the elders, ah, oh, this is a great idea. Yes, you, you need to hire a youth minister. But here's the thing, we don't want to pay him. <laughs> right? We have the money, but we just don't want to pay him. Right? Well, right? Luckily, our elders are not like that, right? <laughs> so dad instantly knew things we're not going to work, right? That, that you cannot not pay someone, right, for this hard work of ministering to, to families. But he also knew it was something that the church needed, that God was leading them in this direction, right? It would not be right not to, to pay the person, and it would not be right not to have the youth ministry because God was clearly calling them in that direction. And so he went to the, he went to the uh, elders, and he said, all right, give the person my salary, Right? I'll find another job. I'll still work at the church full time, you know, preach every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, Bible studies, lead the ministry teams, but give the youth minister my salary. Now, listen, this was a, a serious like, sacrifice financially, but on top of that, it was the death of a dream, right? This is another way that we'll know if we're at that crossroads, right? This was, was another way, this is just another way to tell, right? If we're in a place that we need to make this decision to deny ourselves and, uh, and take up the cross, right? It's going to feel like the death of a dream, right? 
dad had dreams of being a full-time pastor and taking care of his family that way and watching his kids grow up. Remember, he had to deny himself, right? He had to, he had to die to those dreams of what his life would look like or what he thought it would, should look like, and he had to take up his cross for the cause of Christ. Right? Some of us are at that point right now. We look around and we think, man, I have always dreamed that someday I would be right here, right where I am, in this spot. And then we get in that moment and we realize that to follow Jesus, to really follow him, something's going to have to give. He might be calling us in a different way. And we may not understand it, but it's going to be better. Right? And it can feel like a death, a death of a dream. It can feel like physical death in the moment, agony and stress. But just like Jesus, sometimes a death is required for redemption, for resurrection, for a better life. Right? Sometimes there are those things that we, we dreamt of to have and to, to, to do, but we got to put them in the proper place in our lives. Right? We, we need to remove them from the place of honor that we've, we've put them, and we need to put Jesus back up there and, and make sure those things align, our priorities align. And finally, the, the third thing that we need to know about denying ourselves and, and taking our cross will be this, the long run, right? It's going to be a defining moment for you because if you decide to say no, to you and yes to your Savior, you'll discover something that you cannot discover any other way. You discover in that defining moment whose, whose you really are and who you represent. I'm a husband of Christina, right? I represent her to a, to a, a, to a level. But before that, I'm in, I'm. I'm a son of Jesus, and I represent him first and foremost. That's whose I am. Right? In that moment, we'll discover I'm not just a consumer. I'm a follower because, because I said no to me in order to say yes to him before and above anything else. And as difficult as it is and as agonizing as it is and as emotional as it is, I wish that and I pray that for all of us here at the Foundry Church. Because in that moment, when we understand that this is about the long game, the long run, our life will never be the same. It just won't. We may not understand it. You know, you guys know, like I just said, my dad was a preacher. And I was raised with this kind of teaching with this, this worldview, with this mindset. I was raised on these kind of verses. And up until college, man, being a Christian was very advantageous, right? You just stayed out of trouble. Right? I mean, you, you really, you, that's all you just did, right? You, you just stayed out of trouble. You didn't, you didn't get into bad habits because you followed Jesus. Everything was grand and great. And then, uh-oh, crossroads, something I had to give, Right? Right, uh, you know, I talk about wrestling all the time, and I talk about football all the time, but wrestling is actually my favorite sport. I, and when I came, when I was in high school, I was ranked in the nation in multiple weight classes. I had multiple full rides to, to different colleges and universities, uh, in several schools for, for wrestling. But here's the thing. I knew that God wanted me to join the ministry. 
Right? You know what, what theological seminaries and Bible colleges don't have? Full-ride scholarships for wrestling. They don't even have wrestling teams. Right? So, so here was the choice. To play the sport that I loved, that I was successful at, and get a free college education, or go to a private Bible college and join the ministry. Right? I had to make a choice. And for me, right, this was the choice. And I knew what was right. right. I had to stop at the fork in the road and decide which road to take. Right Now, obviously, I chose the theological school route because I'm standing here in front of you today. And listen, I'm probably going to be paying back student loans until God comes back. But it was the right choice. Right? It was the choice that gave me my wife. It was the choice that gave me my best friends. It was the choice that led to my first job in the ministry. It was the choice that would eventually get me here today in front of you with enough education to kind of know what I'm talking about. But now again, right, I'm not saying this to say be like me because everyone's decision is going to be different. Right? Because believe me, between now and that time, right, between then, hundreds of times of denying myself decisions and, and doing it wrong in the process, right? It's just a part of the, the, the following of Jesus. It's difficult sometimes. I'm telling you this, this story so that when we are willing to make the hard choice, the tough call, the denying myself call, I want you to know that God rejoices. God rejoices. He gives us a life. So as the band comes back up, I just want to encourage you in a time of prayer as they're getting set to realize that when we make these choices, even though it just doesn't make sense, and we, but we know through the power of his spirit that it's the right thing to do, to deny ourselves, to take up the cross, to sacrifice our, you know, whatever we want. I'm not saying that's always the case, right? Sometimes the decision's easy, like, yeah, I want that, Jesus. <laughs> but sometimes it's hard. Let's pray and just thank him for the fact that he's with us in those decisions. Lord, we, we love you and we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that when we are at a fork in the road, when we are looking at these scriptures that says, you know what, sometimes following you means to take up the cross and to deny ourselves. When we have to say no to ourselves, Lord, and we are confused about what decision to make or what is best or why you're calling us to make this decision, that you're with us and that you know what it means. Or you had to do it in the garden Do I save myself or do I go to the cross and save all of eternity? Do I experience this, the weight of sin of everybody? Or do I just walk away? Lord, oh Lord. We thank you for the decision that you made to go to the cross for us. And so when we are faced with these challenges... Breathe life into us, Lord. Let us know that you are with us and that we are making this decision for your honor and for your glory. And that is all. For you and your honor and your glory, not for ourselves. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.